listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 492. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with the Netflix series 1899. For any of you out there that care, uh, we've had an extra day to recover, and uh, that's all we're going to say about that horror show on Saturday. Uh, I didn't even I didn't even see it. Oh uh, I was... Uh, I was watching my daughters at an indoor track meet, which means we were there for about eight hours and we saw my daughters run. This is two girls. So um, I think I calculated a total of about 11 minutes. Yeah. Having coached indoor track for two years back in the day, I'm not sure what's worse, having to attend a track meet or uh, having to watch a <laughs> watch awful the, uh, Oh my god! Best show of a football game. Oh my god! But uh, but anyway, um, we want to wish anybody that celebrates Christmas a Merry Christmas, um, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and happy couple days off from work. Yep. So uh, you know we are recording on a Monday. So you know the next time we record it will be December twenty sixth. At least that's the plan. And. We will go from there, but yeah, um, it's that time of year and no snow so far, which is good. Yeah, they say maybe. Yep, maybe. Maybe, so we'll see, but yeah. You know, it just, this, I mean, the Christmas season is great, or the holiday season, I'm sorry, I should say, but it's like, I think every year it just stresses me out a little bit more, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'm working through it though. Yep. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's get to tip of the week, what we're watching. And I watched the season, maybe the series finale of the January 6th committee, uh, public hearings today, episode 10. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I downloaded the companion first it, part of the companion right. piece. You get the, the DVD director's cut. Uh, well, we, we got our order in at Amazon, so uh, okay. that, that's still a couple weeks away. But uh, what I did watch, uh, and it's a movie. I know uh, that's going to come as a surprise, but it was a short movie. It was only uh, a little over an hour and a half. Emily the Criminal on Netflix. Have you run across that at all? I have neither run across it nor even heard of it, so do no. tell. Starring Aubrey Plaza. Oh, love Aubrey Plaza. Is it looks like she, you know, was probably one of the executive producers on it. I mean, she didn't write it or direct it, but but she look. I, I've said before with uh, the White Lotus, I, I love Aubrey Plaza. I know you do. My wife does. So when we saw this in our Netflix feed and watched the trailer, it's like, okay, this looks pretty good. So bas- the basic premise is that she's a mid. You know, she's 38 in real life, so I don't know what age she's playing. I would say probably at least about 30 in this. She never graduated from art school, and what we learn is that she has a couple of convictions, one for DUI and another for aggravated assault, and she's got a $70,000 student loan that she's trying to pay off, and she's you know basically working uh, as a delivery person for, uh, you know, some sort of a catering business. So it, things are not going as she expected. 
given the title of the movie, Emily the Criminal, I think you can probably surmise where this is going. But it's a serious role for her. It, it's not what we generally see. And even in The White Lotus, that was a serious role for her, just not quite as serious as here. My wife and I were a little you know, differing on how we thought about the movie. I thought it was pretty good. She thought it was just okay. I guess I looked at it as a character study in somebody that is just so desperate that they make you know yet another bad decision mm-hmm. or good decision, depending on how you look at it. But right. uh, anyway, Emily the Criminal on Netflix. The other one I checked out just the first episode, The Recruit, also on Netflix. Right. Uh, uh, this guy, he's a CIA lawyer. It's a fun show so far. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. I- I'm definitely looking forward to the next episode. Oh, okay. So. Anyway, that's it. All right. Um, well, I have two things to talk about. Um, well, first of all, I just have to put in, once again, my plug for – I'm still working on Star Trek Discovery and just really, really loving that show. But I talked about it last week, so I'm just going to move on. Um, though I should say the penultimate episode of season two was just freaking amazing. Just like one of those – I'm not going to put above International Assassin. But I might say it's close. So just saying. So um, uh, The other two is uh, last week was the premiere of National Treasure Edge of History. And Dave, I don't know if you knew that the National Treasure movies are kind of like a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh, I don't think there's any reason to feel guilty about those. Those are awesome. Okay, movies. good. I just wasn't sure if it was just me or not. Oh, yeah. I no. love the National Treasure movies, just especially the first one. That's that's a movie I could probably watch just a million times and still love it. Um, the TV show, eh, we'll, we'll we'll see. You know, I, you know they they are clearly following a formula. <clears throat> Only problem is the formula was created for a two hour movie, and this is I don't even know how many episodes this is, but clearly way more than two hours. So. You know, they're doing a lot of they're, they're kind of getting outside their lane, maybe that the the producers of National Treasure are used to doing. You know, they're, they're good at the, the the two hour action adventure. I don't know about the, you know, eight plus hour um, TV show, but so far pretty good. The main character is likable. She's, you know, the actress is good. Uh, her friends, uh, you know, they're okay. You know, like you, you, you can see like the one guy supposed to be like the Riley character, right? And um, the her, like her other friend is kind of like the, you know, the grounded one. That, uh, like the I can't remember the name of the German lady in in the National Treasure. But anyway, so you know, we'll see. I I I, I did knock my socks off, but you know, I'm I'm willing to 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 give it some uh some rope here and not rope that's the word some i don't know leeway leeway yes uh the other one is i just saw a um like a trailer for season two of an anime on prime video which normally anime eh, not really i'm not against it like i've seen some anime movies and i think they were awesome um, and I think I probably told before my, my sons are really into it. Um, it's called Vox Machina 
And so I'm like, you know what? What the heck? Give it a try. And, uh, you know, I think I'm like four episodes and maybe five episodes in the season one. You know, they're only like, you know, 20 some minutes long. And uh, it's pretty good. It's very enjoyable. Uh, it's it's an adult animated thing. So the the language and, and the themes and the ideas in it are not meant for young audiences at all. Uh, but it's pretty good. And it's funny. And uh, my oldest son was so thrilled that I was watching an anime that he now all of a sudden gave me a lot of other recommendations that he thinks I should watch. And so, you know, I might be. Uh, now stuff watching all kinds of anime from from my super fan upstairs so when he's home over the holidays you guys can uh well he's home all the time now oh he okay yeah all right so all right well let's get to 1899 season one episode two titled the boy written by yante frisia and dario madrona lopez gallego directed by baron bo odar and it was released on november 17th 2022 so before we get into it uh, any improvement in your likability this time um i think i think so okay i still i'm still not i'm still kind of like not sure about it you know but i i, I but i can recognize that there's a lot of stuff there's they're setting up here and there's a lot of mystery involved here so i mean i uh, you know, again, I, I feel like maybe, as I said before, I think maybe my disappointment in uh, the first one was that maybe, I'm not saying my expectations were too high, but just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what my expectations were, but it just seemed like it didn't strike the chord I was I was expecting it to strike. Um, so, but now that I know I'm more kind of in tune with like the tone and the pace of the show, I think I was probably able maybe to enjoy this one uh, a little bit more. And of course, that last scene there's such a WTF scene that all of a sudden it like throws, I mean, I almost say, you know, I, I don't necessarily encourage you screenwriters and directors out there of completely turning the whole everything on its head in the very last minute. But I will admit in this particular case, it was effective. Yeah, well, we'll get to that elephant in the room in a second. But just, you know, you mentioned mysteries. And, and of course, there's the mystery of the captain. There's the mystery of the boy, the mystery of the Danes and what the heck their story is. Uh, right. the triangle, Jerome's triangle yeah, popping right. up all over the place. Jerome's connection to the French couple uh, in my notes, not a priest and definitely not brothers. Yeah. And I just got to say, called it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You did. <laughs> But, uh, well, you know, you, you brought it up elephant in the room or whatever, but the video monitors in the final scene yeah, and, and, and obviously, you know, that that's a, a, a huge change that we've got to, you know, consider. I mean, we've talked about whether or not time travel was involved and I think at this point we have to say absolutely. I, I, I mean, I unless right, because I guess it's possible this is an alternate history because these are clearly video monitors, right? We, clearly, the people on the ship are being watched. Yeah, from where they're being watched, we don't know. Oh, no, it seems unlikely they're being watched by somebody on the ship. Huh? You know, Possible. I mean, 
Well, I only say that because you've got how many, you know, nine or 10 executive officers, you would think they know every inch of the ship. But yet even the captain was surprised to find the passage right underneath his room. Yeah. I, it, it, was that real? Or did he imagine it? See, well, that's, that, that's an excellent question. So I'm not even <laughs> sure about that. But right. then getting, getting back to who's watching the monitors, so then is it somebody remote which then implies that you know the technology. Look, look, technology aside from having video monitors in 1899, right, which, which obviously not a thing, right? But if it's an alternate history, then all right, maybe we accept that as you know something that then tells us okay, time travel's not an issue, right? Which but, you know, there's there's just this this thing of like everyone kind of not having like a backstory right like really the the biggest one we've gotten so far is the captain right where his wife and daughters were were killed so that's really the only everyone else we have no idea so do they not have a background with these are these people in are these modern people on a you know is this some kind of modern crazy psychotic experiment with mind altering drugs or things like that. Like, I don't know. Everything's on the table at this point, I think. Well, yeah. And, and the opening scene, which I guess turns out to be the captain's dream. And, you know, you mentioned we get some of his backstory that his wife apparently set fire to their home, killing her and their, their two daughters and that's something he's got to live with. And I think I we can three. Then, Oh, three daughters. Not okay. nitpick, but yeah. uh, and, you know, now I think we can safely say we know why he drinks on the job, even though it does, doesn't seem to affect his judgment. I mean, I guess his executive officers would argue that his decision to tow the boat back to England indicates he does have some cognitive issues but but we do get that that element of his backstory i mean we've gotten a little bit of mara's backstory we know that it it does appear and i guess that's all we can do at this point say well it appears right (laughs) that she had been restrained in some sort of a facility apparently by her father so you know but but yeah like you said the others and they need in terms of pacing it's not going to really cut it if it's just one backstory each episode you know right they, they need to give us at least two right well i mean they they have so many irons in the fire so to speak with characters in this thing they've got to keep you know reminding us and checking in on pretty much all the characters uh so it's you know they i don't think we're going to see but again never say never right. um but I would imagine that we probably won't see just a single episode dedicated to a single character, but it's not out of the question, though. Right. Now, it's Mara's voice that we hear tell him to wake from this dream. Right, which and, I did and, not know the first time watching this, but then when I watched it with subtitles, it says Mara's voice. I was like, thank you, subtitles, for picking that up for me. Okay. But he's holding that ribbon that he found on Prometheus. I don't really have any thoughts on what it is. It's clearly important, not only to him, but I'm assuming the story. 
But I guess at this point, it's just something to keep an eye on unless somehow it struck you and you know, you've got an idea about it. I do not, it did not. And I do not. Okay. Now the message he receives from the company sink ship. Okay. Leads us to believe, uh, all right, clearly the company's hiding something. And, and of course that's what he believes as well. And I, or it what can else? be, there's just something, they're just like, it's, you know, it, this is too weird. Just, you know, cause like, I mean, to tell it back, that just seems crazy. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not sure what the answer would be. I mean, it's too expensive a vessel to just scuttle it. I I mean, it didn't get hit by a torpedo. It it wasn't, uh, you know, destroyed in a war. Now, we don't know what happened to it. As we said last week, It, it, it certainly appears as if more than four months has transpired given the condition of the ship. But you would think that the company would want to come out and maybe salvage what they can if they don't want to tow it back. So something's wrong. But the other thing in that scene, that opening scene is we learn that the compasses have all gone haywire. Right. And, and this is something we've seen before, any, especially any time we see a story that's in the Bermuda triangle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, clearly there's something going on there. And, you know, we've already seen through the the previews, you know, leading up to the show that there's it, it does appear as if there's some sort of a portal in the ocean somewhere. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but. Right. But we did I'm see waiting. the uh, yeah, the you posted the, uh, the the post or whatever on Facebook. Right. 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 So, you know, the mystery of Captain Ike Larson and, and you know, one of the first things we see with him were and, and his relationship with Mara. I mean, she's like the only passenger that confronts him up close about all of this stuff. You know, the other passionate passengers, you know, when he goes into the dining room and makes a speech and they're all like, you can't do this. And but she goes up one on one and right. and. And that relationship that's developing between the two of them is certainly one of trust. And he's telling her things that he's not telling other passengers, obviously. And it's like, has she experienced anything strange on Prometheus? Because he's making that connection, I think, to his hallucinations now that something happened to him when he was on Prometheus. And, you know, he's wondering, well, you know, are you experiencing the same thing? And of course she says, no. Not at all. Yeah, and there seems to be, I mean, obviously that seems to be, there totally is a connection between Ike and Mora that is inexplicable, right? But yet she clearly has access to the captain that no other passenger enjoys, just as when uh, Clements and Jerome uh, talk to one another, and they both, there's definitely something there, and it's not just this love at first sight attraction. They both recognize that the other person seems very familiar. So I think this unexplained familiarity is probably going to be something that's central to the whole mystery of of this, this whole kitten caboodle here. Right. And, you know, we surmise at this point, as do the members of the crew that accost him, that Jerome is a stowaway. And, you know, as we said last time, that seems to be the only thing that makes sense at this point in the story. 
but like you said, they both of them, he and Clement, seem to recognize something about the other. So you almost wonder whether do we know each other in another life, so to speak? Right. Or Obviously, I mean, there's like you said, there's everyone that we've seen here has like literally another life. You know, not like you you mean you mean like like almost like an alternate universe. I think sure, but. But yet, I think their quote unquote other life, their life off the ship, is to me seems like another universe, right? And it's something yeah, sure. that no one wants to go back to, but none of them talk about. Right. And in terms of the French couple, they don't seem to have the same fear that the others have of returning to, I guess, at this point in England and, and Europe, uh, I guess at large but talking about the company that owns the ships and, and we we learn that the two i don't know if we call them sister ships they're they're owned by the same company they look to be about the same size maybe even you know identical we certainly know that at that time uh, companies made sister ships i mean the titanic had a sister ship i forget what the the name of it was but when they sold it, the English company kept on half the German crew, which, you know, some of the, the crew find strange. But then it's pointed out that, all right, A, we're not really carrying any freight and only a portion of the cabins have been rented that the company's not turning a profit on these runs that apparently it continues to make. So add that to the list of things that don't really add up about the ship and the company that owns them. Right. And I, I love your idea that you mentioned a few minutes ago. Is this some sort of a social experiment? Because it, it does, I apologize in advance with lost where we oh, know wow, that, come on, man. well, but, but where they <laughs> no, were I being know. watched. I will allow the comment to pass on, on, on monitors so you know was it part of a social experiment well that was never really made entirely clear i mean yes to a to a large extent and uh you know so so i'll I'll just leave that there we go back to the envelope and and ike takes his out and that's he hears that song again and the other thing with the mystery and, and you mentioned it i mentioned the earrings that uh, Clemence wears mm-hmm. with the with the triangle, and in this episode, we see triangles everywhere. Everywhere, the the tattoo on the the yep. young boy's young boy. neck, yep. yep, and then the carpet. Yeah, or the and, yeah the, the it's I think it's etched into the the wood that he pull that pops up when he you know it is climbs. I, I think. Yeah, we'll get to that in a few minutes. Absolutely. And and then it's embossed on the envelope. Yes. So and I feel like you know, there was somewhere else. I've been my Yeah, well we'll come to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um so so whatever is going on with that, but but uh he hears that song again when he takes the envelope out and you know, he he follows and again we we just don't know when he's dreaming as opposed to hallucinating, he he follows what he thinks is the source of the music. 
uh, he opens a door and he finds, I, I guess I'm just in my notes, I just call it a tableau of his family sitting around a fire. Is It's his daughter that he hears singing. And then his older daughter tells him that the mother's dreams have returned. So he knows this isn't real. And then that whole thing about she doesn't like it when you're gone, that's when the shadows come out. So, you know, when, when she says that's when the shadows, I, I assume that's a reference to the mother's dark depression that clearly she's in. I, she sets fire to the home and, and, and her three children. So I don't know how else to, to look at that statement. But obviously his daughter would have had to tell him that before. So is this just his his mind, his psyche trying to come to grips with, you know, how his life has been turned upside down? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know at all because, you know, this is he he's the only one experiencing like at this point, like supernatural stuff. Right. Like no one else is hearing spectral songs. No one else is seeing people who have dead who have already died. So there's something about Ike that is you know singular here. Right. I mean, we know Mara had her dream in episode one, but yeah, but dream that, like he literally exactly. walked into a room and there's his family and they're right. talking to him. Right. It, it, it's not on the same level of, of course. Yes. So you know, he, he's got a lot of pressure on him and the fact that he's got this, still in his mind we don't i don't remember if we know how long ago his wife set fire to the home or not they might have mentioned it but i don't i don't know I but think I, they did i think he just suggest you know like they just are basically saying you know why did the company put this dude back out on the sea man like he's right. broken yeah i mean we get the idea it's happened relatively recently to as you said that he probably probably shouldn't be back at work making these kinds of decisions on a daily basis this soon so you know he he at this point he just has to have answers he he goes to mars cabin grabs the boy demands answers and 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 he does tell her about his visions and thinks there's a connection and and it goes back to what i was saying a few minutes ago about the connection the two are developing and this trust because on the one hand he ha- he knows how crazy it sounds what he's saying to her yet he trusts that it's just going to stay between them I-, I guess we'll see if that trust continues and we'll-, we'll see if mara confides in somebody else uh, you know at this point i'm not sure who that would be other than daniel solace who right i mean you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about him in a minute when we talk about the boy because i think i mentioned last week i wonder whether he is the adult version mm-hmm. of the boy and nothing in episode two makes me inclined to jettison that that no, theory. no, in fact, well, that look between the two would seem yes. to strengthen that theory, actually. So, Yeah, yeah. Now, he finds that opening that you talked about. He, he finds a wall that I just, in my notes, shiny brick-like material. I yeah. don't even know what else to call it. I didn't know what to call it either. I just said 
maybe I think I put like brick question mark wall. Yeah. And he's interrupted by Olek's knock who, who's given, he got the information he wanted about the coal. And I, and I guess at that point he just wanted to know, do I have enough coal to tow Prometheus back to England? I, I don't think it's any more than that, you know, at, at this point. Yeah. But you know, I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, he says Olek though, you know, which, you know, this is the, the number one guy on, on the ship, uh, interacting with, maybe probably the lowest guy uh, in rank on the ship. Um, so I think that's, that's notable and that there's something about Olick again, this inexplicable trust in someone, you know? Right. So, you know, you mentioned backstory at the beginning of the discussion. So is there something about Olick that we don't yet know that would lead the captain to trust him with that, request and with that information so i guess we will see the passengers not unexpectedly are unhappy with the news that yeah, they're pissed th- their journey is returning and, and old mrs wilson it's like uh, how many people on this ship well i think it's uh you know 1361 to one hmm. uh, so fred mentions whether we're maybe headed towards a mutiny and I certainly think that's something to consider. I'm not sure a bunch of privileged, you know, uh, Europeans are ready to mutiny, but his crew is certainly having its doubts at this point. We don't necessarily see whether or not any of them are armed or whether they have weapons on board. I would suspect they must have some. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I thought that was totally what was going to happen at the end when they're like, mm-hmm. all right, we got, we got to show you something. I thought, oh, here it comes. Right. Here's a mutiny. Like, right. oh no, it's just a dead kid. That's sucks. Right now. Definitely would rather know, see the mutiny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we see another scene of Mara and Ike on deck and he tells her that there's something wrong with the ship company's trying to hide it when he says something wrong uh, he, I, he doesn't know what he means we don't exactly know what he means he certainly doesn't mean that uh, the engine malfunctioned or the air system didn't work no he, he thinks there's something supernatural something fundamentally yes. wrong with it yeah. and then he shows her his envelope and he tells her, I, I got it along with a picture of my family. I need to find out what happened on that ship. And then I was a little bit surprised that she was equally as adamant that we can't go back. I can't go back. Right. And Yeah, like we can't go back. And it's like, well, I can't go back. Right. And it's clear he's not going to change his mind. So... Anyway, then we got the mystery of the boy for sure. And she finds a ring among his belongings. It, it, it looked like a, redding, a wedding ring to me. Uh, I didn't catch that. Um, she finds it in his pocket. I'm not sure if he was asleep. Although oh, I think he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pretending to be asleep. Yeah, and, it looked like he's totally pretending. Right. And it, it looked like a wedding ring to me. She puts it back in the pocket, which then, you know, makes me think, all right, now, did he take that off another passenger? Okay, possible. Although, where are all the other passengers? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, why didn't he bring the passenger with the ring? So then I I forgot to go back and look. 
I, I did watch this episode twice. I, I wanted to watch it a third time and just, you know, events conspired against it. So I, I, I actually wanted to take, see. I was able to, on my computer, I was able to kind of like zoom in in the ring a little bit. And it said on the inside, it's like one ring to rule them all. That was oh, nice. weird. I don't know why <laughs> it said that. It was really weird. Well, I meant to look to see if Daniel is wearing a wedding uh. ring. But I have to go back and do that when I when I get the chance. But but obviously the fundamental question that of course we had right away in episode one: who locked him in? So you know he looks his clothes look clean. They're pressed. They're you know given the surroundings. There's no darn way this kid was locked in there for four months. So you know who locked him in you know, is kind of the least of my questions can consider, uh, considering the boy. So, you know, he's not really answering it. I mean, I don't think he's spoken yet. Has he has he? not spoken. Right. And she's like, well, what happened? And he brings her to the pyramid of like, okay, great. Um, cool. And so we yeah. still don't know what the deal with the, with the, uh, with the pyramid is, but we do, see the tattoo on the back of his neck and you know like you said there's one on the trap door uh, certainly the earrings and it's that that you know, tri- you know where else i thought uh is at the end the the telegraph message they're getting oh right exactly it's just a bunch of triangles Tri- yep so all right and and again uh, you know fred mentions in his feedback about getting away from making comparisons to dark and, and and i get that it's it's its own show i think understandably because baron bo odar and yante frisia created both shows where we're making those connections there's the you know the visual darkness and all that but again we go back to the triketa and and so there's something about the triangle there's something about this symbol that that's clearly important here we just don't know what it is yet uh, obviously but she's got that letter and she's holding hers the boy's watching her you know she tells him she's looking for her brother who she thinks was on prometheus and again that's something we've known from the first episode but that's also where we see that her envelope has that triangle embossed on it and mm-hmm. i don't think we saw that in the first uh, so maybe yeah, it's just if, on if one I did, side noted right yeah. Because we didn't know at the at the time the triangle didn't seem to be that important, but now it's like popping up everywhere. Right, right. But what happened to Prometheus? And of course, he's still not talking. But he is looking like the little drummer boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. I I guess doesn't he like from the you know the the cartoon or whatever the animated thing, the little drummer boy? Yeah. I guess that was stylish back in eighteen ninety nine. His his little outfit, but. We see Daniel Solace, and, and as we said last time, he's in the room next to Mara's room 1013. And we talked in episode one about the beetle. Well, okay, he bends down, releases a beetle, and that's when we see that the carpet has the triangle symbol in those repeating patterns. But my theory about the beetle at this point is – we're supposed to follow it. Yeah. Or, if you want to die, if you want to die. Right. But, but the beetle in, in episode one is how we find the boy. Right. 
Um, yes. Although I think we hear some knocking or pounding, so I, but I don't get the impression it was a boy knocking. But again, uh, could finding this boy could very well lead to lots of death. Well, sorry, the, led to one. Well, yeah, it, it, exactly. And we see young Ada sees the beetle on the ground and she follows it, leaves her doll lying on the ground. I'm not sure why she had to drop the doll to yeah. follow a beetle, but you know, I mean, if it were like Paul McCartney, I'd say, all right, that makes sense. Yeah. But just a <laughs> regular not, beetle. No, uh, I get it. Okay. Um, you know, I typed beetle into my notes and the spell corrector came up. I'm like, well, what else could it be? <laughs> so right. uh, anyway, um, she's confronted by Daniel, puts the beetle in his pocket. I'm so sorry. And we don't see it happen, but I think we have to assume it's Daniel that kills her. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing we see of, of Daniel is that he's got a photo. Is that Mara in the photo? Yes. Yep. So clearly he's not her brother. She would recognize him. They've had you know, contact on a, a number of occasions. So don't know who he is yet. Uh, I'm still going with the adult version of the boy. As you said, they, we see them make brief eye contact, you know, whether or not that gets the young boy to start talking. I don't know, I guess. Yeah. I guess we'll, well see. you know, again, there's just so much stuff here with, you know, just basically, like I said, the fact that we really, we've got no real backstory for anyone except for Eric here. So is it crazy to think that it is her brother, but she doesn't recognize him or that it's her husband and like the boy is her son. And that's why the boy seems to trust her implicitly. Right. Cause I mean, that's something like this kid who's been locked up for who only knows how long now just completely trusts this lady. Do we know she has a husband? I don't know. We I don't know. We don't. We don't know anything. That's what I'm saying. We don't know anything about it really, except that she has a brother and a father. Okay, because um, I I didn't get the impression that she has a husband. So if we're going down but, the but alternate, who knows? yeah, right. You know, exactly. like that's what I'm saying. Like we just, I, you know, I I I feel much more strongly after this episode that the reality as we see it on the ship is not reality. You know, that there's some kind of either a parallel world or like whatever, you know, like what's happening here is there's a whole other world outside it that they are separated from and isolated from. Now, as far as mysteries go, the mysteries of the Dane, I'm sorry, the mystery of the Danes kind of pales to a certain extent we see them conducting a religious service in, in light of what they've confronted within Prometheus. And you really get the idea that it's, there's this cult like atmosphere going on. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, make negative references about their religion or anything like that, but, but, there does seem to be that kind of a feel. I mean, we had, we had heard earlier with Ada that she wanted to go to school and she wanted to become a doctor. And Crestor, her older brother, tells her, "Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah, we got to build yeah, the church." So, yeah, which is I don't. So I, th- when I had COVID this summer, I read this book called Educated 
by Tara Westover. And it's about basically she grew up in a very conservative, super religious um, Mormon family. And like they refused to let her like they wouldn't let their kids go to school. Um, like if any of the kids got hurt, they refused to take them to the hospital and everything. It's just, it was crazy. And like the, the exchange, I don't know if, if Yanta Frisia has also read educated, um, I would, if I had to put my money on, I'd say maybe she was because I, th- that scene between her and her brother is just almost, it seems like ripped right out of that book where, you know, she's like, I want to go to school. And he's like, don't be stupid. You know, you're not going to school. We got to build a church. And, and so uh, I, it was kind of cool that, that connection, whether intentional or not, it is a connection to me. Well, yeah. And, you know, we talked last time about the vibe between Angel and Crestor. And, and certainly in this episode, we find out that Angel is having an affair with uh is his name Marino? No, uh, I can't remember. Ro- Romero. Romero, yeah. So, you know, he is gay. And whether, you know, he's coming on to Crestor, you know, you know, in that scene where he gives him the cigarette case is, is unclear. But when his sister confronts him about the cigarette case and demands that he give it back, remember, you promised me something. Right. So, well, okay, what did he promise her? I mean, in the big scope of mysteries in the first two episodes, I'd like to know what it is, but it doesn't seem to. Yeah, maybe he, you know, he promised her he wouldn't get with guys anymore. Well, yeah, and and, and that's fine. And, and she ends up returning it to Angel and telling him to stay away from her brother. Yeah, <laughs> she said to- Stay away, or I'll cut your effing D off. So, yeah. <laughs> which I like, I put in my notes. I'm like, okay, I know he doesn't speak Danish, but I think he pretty much understood what she said. Yeah, I, I did notice he looked down at his. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, um, I feel you, sister. I, I, I get. I only understand you, but I get you. Right now, you, we talked for a few minutes about the mystery of Jerome's connection to the French couple, but. Clemence in particular, he's got a piece of paper that's got Lucien's name and room number written on it, room 2101. So what that's all about, we certainly don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, he goes in the room and finds it empty, starts nosing around, and, and he's got that metal that certainly appears military and i know i said last week that well whatever his condition is probably doesn't have anything to do with military service and then as you pointed out well there really wasn't any conflict in europe at that time anyway so we don't know what that was all about i should should walk back for that because certainly uh france was doing plenty of colonizing um you know, trickery out there. So, you know, he could have been in some kind of, uh, you know, military force in, in a colonial part of the world. Okay. And, and perhaps that's it, but re- regardless, she comes in, he climbs under the bed. <laughs> I'm thinking like, okay, how are you getting out of this one, Jerome? But she, it's a, it's a big cabin for sure. So when she goes in, you know, I don't know the dressing room or whatever, he, 
manages to uh, sneak out. But but then that great scene when he finds her on deck watching Prometheus, and she asks if he's crew because he's wearing a crew uniform, right. which we s- said last time that that he stole. And that whole thing about don't judge by looks. And then they start talking about prisons, literal and figurative. And, and, you know, the birds are in their own kind of prison. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah. What does he say? They're, they're prison, they're, they're birds and that's it. That's their prison that they're birds. I'm like, okay, this isn't the under the dome. Did you ever watch that? Uh, I think we watched like the first couple episodes. Oh my God. What a terrible show. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty bad. I, I, Uh, I, I think I made it maybe like three episodes maybe four that was one of the first shows i just realized i'm like you know what this show sucks and i'm not gonna watch it anymore. exactly so you know but but that that idea that that the two of them discuss about prisons and and look i mean we could argue that well she's talking about this prison that she finds herself in with this arranged marriage and we don't know whether she had to be coerced into uh, marrying him. Uh, We talked about that little sly smile in episode one after he couldn't uh, perform sexually and then gets up from the bed and walks out. So, you know, we don't really know any of that, but still, even if she entered this marriage, um, you know, uh, of her own volition, it still is understandable that she may see herself in some sort of a prison. Uh, you know what Jerome's talking about? I'm not sure. We do not learn that he is a formidable fighter. Yeah, man, you got some good shots in. Yeah, I mean, let's not complain about action sequences. Yeah, no, that was or, good. That was a great fight scene. Yes, and they eventually subdue him, uh, of course. Um, and then Mrs. Wilson dude what is her deal i don't know i mean is she the japanese woman's pimp i mean she confronts lucien she's she's pretty yeah it's pretty clear that you know she can arrange a meeting there or or i said japanese uh, chinese who are pretending to be japanese um you know, are, are you seeking a distraction? And he's like, with you? I'm thinking like, whoa, whoa, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, that's rude. She's, I mean, she's, she's okay. Yeah, she's an attractive woman. Right. That was, but, that was completely uncalled for. Right. But then she's like, well, no, with, uh, you know, one of the young women. And so, again, what is her deal? I, I, on the one hand, she's still the most fascinating character because we don't have a clue what her deal is. Right. But she seems to really have like she knows what's going on with everyone you know yeah she does yeah so maybe um, she's got the room with the, the television monitor well well you know yeah. what but again well how does she have that in 1899 <laughs> yeah and how does the captain not know about it so um not a priest definitely not brothers <laughs> we we certainly Learned that about the two of them, but their concern. I, I whether, literally when that when they start, because I'm like, I effing knew it. Yes, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, obviously, because of what we saw with the interaction between Angel and Crestor last week, I'm like, 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this was instead of brothers that they were kind of like, you know, like. Right, but they're running from the authorities, which we surmised anyway. They mentioned whether the police will come. So, you know, it, it's it's really unclear what they're running from. Did they were they running some kind of confidence scam in in? Uh, well, the, he says that that Ramiro is Portuguese and 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 his servant or El right. servant. Right, and Angel's Spanish, so we don't know what the deal with those two is. Um, but when they rip their clothes off, you, you see his back. Yeah, yeah. So He's shaking not, some whippings. So, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that no. uh, for sure. And, you know, then we get to the closing scene where the officers are debating whether or not they should sink Prometheus when Ada's dead body turns up. And, you know, that's when we uh, look over towards Prometheus, we see inside a cabin and then the camera zooms out in the wall of video monitors. And we see, you know, one of them is Ike on deck and the others are the the various passengers. And then the telegraph, as you point out, starts producing a series of triangles. We see Mara's necklace has a triangle on it. Yes. You know, that, that necklace that we talked about last week that looked like some kind of a locket that... Yeah. Was she... I don't know. That's weird because she looked like she took it off and then it looked like she was holding a case or something. I, yeah. I right. Right. And that's what I said last week. I was wondering, was she going to open it? Yeah. But this week, we she doesn't open it, but we see that design. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. anyway... Triangle that, everywhere. That, yeah. That's all I got. What else? Um, well... Thanks to the subtitles, I got to know that the song that Ike's daughter is singing is an eerily jaunty song. Yes, a folk song. And that the uh, opening song is a brooding version of White Rabbit. Oh, nice. Okay. So I don't I don't know if there's really anything. Well, the, the whole thing, actually, Lucien uh, talking about how badly he wants to see Japan, right? Which yeah. is like doubly ironic because a, she very like I don't know if she speaks French or not, but I would say she it's un, it's not likely she understands a word you're saying, as you are opening your heart to her. And b she's not even Japanese. You're talking about Japan, and she's not even Japanese. So um, again, just uh, a double kind of uh, ironic twist there for uh, Lucien. This idea of, of being late, right, also, because that was like, you know, when uh, Ike sees his wife, she says, you're late. You know, you should have been here before. I don't know if she says you should have been here before. I feel like she says something like that. but Right, and, and all the passengers are worried about, you know, ju- they're just as worried about arriving in New York late as some are about returning to Europe. Right, yeah. Um, and then, you know, this – I think this might be like kind of like the line of the, the, the series so far when Mara is telling the boy. And again, is that even a little bit clear that the boy understands a single word that Mara is saying, right? We don't know if he's English or, or, or whatever. Um, so whether he understands her or not, we don't know. But she tells him about this time that her father, well, she thought she was lost in the woods, but Really, it was just her father abandoning her there and then watching her to, to see if she could, you know, survive or whatever. And in the end, she's like, I wasn't upset that he left me. 
Um, I was upset because he took away the one moment when I thought I wasn't being watched. And I'm thinking that. And then we see the video monitors at the end. And it's like, yeah. So that theme of like being watched, observed, like, I mean, obviously someone is watching everyone on this ship. um, But to what end? I don't know. But I I thought that line, you know, it struck. I wrote it down when she said it. And then at the end, I was like, whoa, you know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I remember her saying it, but I, I didn't make the connection with the monitors. She gets a little sniffy when Daniel asks her if she's Irish. I don't think oh, I, yeah. I didn't care for that very much. But uh, anyway, I think that might be it, I think, for me. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us in listener feedback this week, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for 1899, Season 1, Episode 2. What a disappointment. Coming back to last week's podcast, Wayne said that Hamlet Grove is not available anymore on Netflix. Well, I checked on our European Netflix or Dutch Netflix and it's not there anymore either. So that's a big disappointment, makes the decision between Hamlet Grove or something else quite easy. On the other hand, what is something else? I have to decide there for my Patreon reward. I just finished Warrior Nun Season 2, which was nice and fun. And, well, it's not a series high on the scale of quality, but it's very enjoyable, I think. And it didn't get a third season. The news is out, and I find that disappointing as well. And to get out of my depression... Watching the second episode of 1899 didn't help at all. This episode didn't change my grade of a B- of the premiere. Both Wayne and I said we really have to judge this first episode again after the series gets better, perhaps, or we better understand what happened in the first episode. Although, in the first episode, the mystery was not that great. Mystery gets bigger and bigger now or perhaps i should say there was a mystery in episode one but the suspense was not that great and that gets better now i did watch it with my wife again and we both thought it was still too slow paced and too you had a big discussion about watching this and having dark in the back of your head well that's completely gone with me i mean this is so different that I don't have any trouble not comparing it to Dark. It becomes quite clear why Ramiro and Angel have a secret and why are they fleeing from Europe, although I don't know if homosexuality in that period of time was better in the US. We are ahead perhaps of a mutiny, because just only the captain wants to go back. We get the murder of the young Swedish girl, or is she dead? I assume she is. Perhaps that makes the argument of going back and getting an investigation even bigger. Of course you can do an investigation in the US, but on the other hand, perhaps you want to do that in the country where the ship originates from. These bugs, they are a mystery, and of course the boy. 
and why all the people disappeared on the ship. And one of you said last week it, the ship looks much more in disarray than just from a few months. It looks like it has been abandoned for a much longer period of time, so I agree on that. So there could be a kind of time travel thing in it, and then we have the thing with the letters several people get, so that you get the idea these people are brought together here and have all a kind of connection to the Prometheus. I actually was a little bit amazed that they could tow the Prometheus away. I thought they would be stuck there and couldn't get away, especially with these turning compasses. The whole story of the captain with his burnt family is of course a good story for his background and why he is acting like he is. But on its own it's of course not a mystery. You see it as memories. So that's not something that is intriguing. Unless it gets a deviation there of the story or it's somehow connected to the Prometheus. So if I make an inventory like this, uh, there are quite some interesting points in it, but still the first two-thirds or so, or three-quarters of the episode was so uh, slow. Um, but perhaps now it's getting a little better. So taking it all together, first I wanted to give it a C+. But since the story gets its pace now... I will go for the same B- minus as last week. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Well, Fred finishes Warrior Nun. I know you still haven't seen it yet. And unfortunately, it's been canceled by Netflix. And, uh, you know, this whole two episodes and then cancel business model I don't know how much longer some of these streaming services can get away with that. I, I mean, I don't know what we as consumers can do about it other than canceling right. our, our, our That's contracts. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to cancel HBO, but I, first I have to watch uh, his dark materials. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and again, that's something maybe we'll talk about down the road. What, what HBO is doing, which is uh, terrible. You know, right. Absolutely awful taking some of the things out of their library that, you know, is one of the main reasons many of us subscribed to HBO in the, in the first place. But anyway, um, Fred brings up warrior nun and, uh, you know, Fred, I, what I find just so compelling about warrior nun, the heroic qualities to be among the strongest element of the show and, and, and the women working together and, you know, the fact that they're all from the, you know, these different, origins particularly uh you know the main character so i i really love the show i obviously i i think i love it a lot more than than fred did i know fred you say you enjoyed it but uh um but anyway to 1899 fred gives it a b minus what do you give it might as well throw that in there um, i think maybe i'll give this with a b plus i think i bumped up i just gave it a straight b last week right yeah so i think we i think we made progress I don't think okay. it's an A necessarily quite yet, though I have to admit, after talking with you about it, I real, you know, I, maybe I've, I feel even more favorably about it. But uh, okay. I, I think we stick with my my B plus and give it plenty of room to uh, to grow here. 
Okay, cool. I'm going to go A minus this week. Um, you know, I know I gave it an A last week because I thought it was a pretty strong pilot, but I'm going to go A minus. Fred is still a little bit unhappy with the slow pacing of the show. And you know, on the one hand, I get that. But on the other hand, I guess I feel like the pacing really did pick up in episode two. I mean, as you point out, there are a lot of characters yeah. to keep track of. And they've got 55-minute episodes, so you really got to move things along pretty quickly if you're going to address each of them. And, and you know, a lot of shows will maybe uh, – certainly Game of Thrones did this. They're, you know, one week we might not you right. know, see some mm-hmm. of the characters at all. Right. And, you know, I didn't like that, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> You know, he. he we, we, I mentioned earlier in the discussion that that Fred brings up the idea that maybe a mutiny is in the offing. But are we going to have a murder investigation now that you know Ada has been found right. on deck? Because we know her family is going to absolutely freak. Yeah. When they find out, and I don't know how you're going to possibly placate them, and. You know, I don't know how you investigate this. I've said many times, and my wife and I are in the middle of another European crime drama, so we we really have a good handle on how these crimes are investigated. And there's nobody on this ship that's qualified to do a a real criminal investigation here. So maybe David Diggs is there somewhere. Well, we'll see. But you know, he points out that the captain's story not really a mystery. I mean, his backstory maybe is not a mystery. It's not a mystery why he drinks, but why he's hearing the song. I I think it's reasonable to consider that it does have something to do with the time he spent on Prometheus rather than simply hallucinations tied into his deteriorating mental state and drinking and, and all of that. So... You know, I'll just leave it at that for now. Okay. But anyway, um, you know, I, I I know I've said time travel in, in week one. Now I'm wondering whether it's alternate history because, you know, even with the monitors, they had kind of a 1950s right. look. Right. Look it, yeah, them. they weren't like you know, flat screens or anything like that. Yeah. Right. So then I started thinking, well, maybe alternate history is where we're talking about. Maybe that somebody, you know, look, I mean, we know that there are these brilliant inventors that, you know, have been around for a long time. And, and uh, you know, like even Tesla apparently developed wireless electricity. Yeah. So why aren't we using it? Well, I guess they haven't figured out how to make a profit on it. Right. So, you know, there's just you know so much out there. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to seeing episode three. I, you know, last week ordinarily, I don't watch the next episode till I'm done editing the one we just recorded. Uh, I broke my own rule last week. I just couldn't freaking wait. So, <laughs> I got you know, and, and last week was a long discussion. So I, I got most of it done. I'm like, you know, now I'm rewarding myself. I'm going to watch it. There you go. All right. So there's one thing that I actually realized that I forgot to mention that I'm surprised you haven't mentioned because I assume 
you're a significant Deep Purple fan. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And you must admire Ian Gillen as one of the all-time great singers in rock history. Child Time is an awesome song. Yes. Um, but one thing I found out, actually, is that Ian Gillen will not sing that song anymore. Really? Yeah. I think it's just because it's just so oh hard. Out of his yeah. uh, vocal like, range at this point. He's like in his 70s now, I think. So Yeah. Um, but well, you know, one of the things when when that song was playing, and and of course, we're meant to make some sort of a connection with the young boy, and I thought, all right, shot of time. So then that that supports my time travel theory and whatever. And I thought, ah, uh, there's so much other stuff to talk about. I don't know if I want to go down that road. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I didn't put it in my notes, but I'm glad yeah. you brought it up. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the, the title is pretty on the nose, right? Child in time. Yep. So okay, all right, all right, we get it. Yep. Um, and then, but just to, to listen to that and to listen to him singing back in his prime, it's just, oh my God, yep. it's so Richie, good. Richie Blackmore, dude. So freaking good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there. I uh, want to wish you guys, as we said earlier, have a great holiday. Yeah. Have a happy holiday, everybody. Yep. However you celebrate and we will check you guys next week. That will do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about 1899. Anything going on in your genre world, you know, check into the Facebook group and maybe get into the discussion about what these streaming services are doing to us, the consumer. If you want to send us an email, it's sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. But we'll be back next week to talk about episode three of the Netflix series 1899. But until then, you know, streaming services... I might just have to go back to buying Blu-rays again because I just need to wonder streaming services. When did you stop being any fun?